Welcome to the Bloom and Grow podcast, where we share stories of those who have grown through grief and break down barriers that isolate us in those challenging parts of our lives. We know that time doesn't heal, but intention does. There isn't a before and after in grief, but we grow through it. Many days more difficult than others. The weight of grief doesn't get any lighter, but we can get better at carrying it. This podcast isn't just for those going through something sad or difficult, but it's also for those who know someone who is by sharing tips and perspectives in how to be a better support for our loved ones that are grieving. I'm your host, Liz Bidler, and thanks for blooming and growing with us. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Bloom and Grow with Liz Bidler podcast. I am your host, Liz Bidler, and we have got Tony Hoagland with me today. Liz, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's good to see you. So Tony is one of... I say is because he's still in our lives, but uh, is one of my late husband's best friends. And he also sells insurance. And I told him I wanted to talk about this incredibly sensitive topic and I wanted him to help me. And he said, absolutely. Now, a little disclaimer, we are not going to talk about where Tony works. (laughs) So you can Google him, go for it and Google him. You can send me an email and ask me for his contact info, but his place that he works was cool with him doing this it's just one of those like yeah they don't want names being spoken well and we don't want it to seem like it's sponsored or it's salesy like this is a really important topic and the advice is not the views of his employer right okay any other disclaimer we gotta give no i think we're good with that okay yeah all right so we're going to talk about life insurance and the goal for this podcast is it's uncomfortable People don't like talking about it. I mean, even Josh and I barely talked about it. We talked about the fact that we had it. We've talked about like very briefly, like, well, what do I do with it if you die? And the only time we ever really went into sort of detail, which was, you know, literally like talk to John, talk to Dave, they'll help you make decisions type of thing. Like that that was it. That's all we talked. And he said, like, it's meant to replace my income. It's meant to replace your income. That's yeah. all That's all we talked about. Yep. We didn't talk about anything. That's what most people talk yeah. about. And you know? so it sucks. So if you are driving somewhere, if you're going somewhere with your spouse or whoever, um, just push play on this episode and let us have the really hard conversations and just sit there and shut up and listen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Let us be the conduit to the conversation. Yes. So yeah. I think... Let's start with some boring topics or boring like definitions. What is life insurance? What's it for? How do you get it? Term versus whole. Let's just say what it is. Yeah. So I think we would start with, you know, like the way that I explain life insurance to the people, the questions that we get is one, why do I need it? And how much should I have? Those are the two main questions initially. The main reason, the way to think of it like this is think of everybody's got a why, right? So you know, Liz has a why for why she does the flower farm and all that. And I have a why for why I own an insurance agency and a financial services agency. And those whys are like, I want to provide a living and a, and a certain life for my family, my wife, my kids, and same with Liz, right? So life insurance protects your why. It helps your why carry on your legacy and, and do different things like that. Obviously, Liz can speak much more passionately about how that's affected her life than I can. But that's why you have the life insurance is it's so that the people that are most important to you 
can continue the plans and dreams and goals that your family has today. I'll let Liz get into that side of it. And then how much do you need? That's going to be different for everybody. But it's typically, generally going to be somewhere between seven and 12 times your income, as much as 15, just depending on what you have going on. Yeah. You and know? that number might sound crazy to some people. And spoiler alert, disclaimer, whatever we have to say, I'm not going to tell you guys. It, it doesn't matter how much Josh and I had. I will say more would have always been nice. like, yeah. I, And I mean that in a like, there are things that are hard and whatever, but it it's meant for us, the goal was to replace the amount of his income over the lifetime so that we didn't have to live a different life. And we'll get to that in a little bit. I'm right. going to expand on that a little bit more. I'm glad to have Tony here. Like this is a weird, it's a weird thing to talk about. I feel like there's going to be some negative criticism that comes somehow in some way. And I don't really care because I feel like it's such an important thing. And if I'm the example, if I'm the reason that someone doesn't have to sell their house because their husband unexpectedly dies, yeah. if 10 people say, oh my God, she went in on and talked yeah. about how much money she has. Like, nope, if that's what you get from this episode, I'm sorry. But my goal is if I'm the reason or if this conversation is the reason that someone doesn't have to choose between, you know, yeah. how they need to grieve or whatever. And now they got to go back to work because they got bills to pay. Yeah. Like, I mean, and I think as I can make two of my comments on that. One, as Josh's friend, but then two, as as an insurance agent. First, as the insurance agent, like I've never I've never delivered a check to a beneficiary and had the beneficiary tell me you know what, keep some of this. We don't need it all. Mm -hmm. That's never happened. It'll never happen. And I can say as Josh's friend, like what this has been able to do for Josh's daughters, Vidalia and Davey and Liz and the family farm and all of those different things, what life insurance has done to keep Josh's legacy alive. Like this is probably the hard part of the conversation for me. Like Josh would be just extremely happy to see what, well, everything is turned into. And Josh was, I mean, I don't think there's anyone that ever met him that would have worried like, oh, he probably didn't have life insurance. Like, no, <laughs> right. no, he right. did. He did. <laughs> like if there was a recommendation <laughs> yeah. for responsibility, and yeah. if, if it's in any of the, and it is like yeah. any financial rules, any right. like, I mean, to, I mean, like, okay, we've talked about it before, but we're going to go off subject for one minute, but like Dave Ramsey, right? Like yeah. the, the financial guru of whatever, like yeah. he's great for in your twenties and you're trying to get out of debt yep. and you're trying to learn behaviors and learn habits. Yep. Like some of the things he's like, no, oh, don't worry about your employer match 401k uh, yeah. like, while you have student yeah. loans. Like mm, I yeah. kind of disagree because compound interest, but even he says get life insurance. Right. Like right. If even he says it and he yeah. doesn't want you to pay for anything, but yeah. you know, like, the yeah. bare minimum. He doesn't want you to have more than a thousand dollars in the bank right. at any given point. Right. Still, even now with inflation, and he says, "Get life insurance." Well, and keep like, in mind, Josh was somebody that had Liz read a financial book when you were yeah. dating. Right? No, like a week after we met. Like a week after we met. He got me a book that said smart couples finish rich. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which it's kind of funny. I was actually working on my my book that's coming out. Um, hopefully like within a year from now. And I had a chapter in there about, so my dad always said, you know, when we were dating and growing up and you've met my dad before. Yep, so yep. one of the JT isms was 
When you're dating someone, you keep both eyes wide open. And then when you get married, you have to close one. (laughs) And so literally when Brent and I, like before we were even like remotely dating, before I even like let myself have feelings for him, I was like, you got any student loans? You got any credit card debt? Like just like, like, I literally looked at him like, when's the last time you went to the doctor and peed in a cup and got tested for STDs? He's like, oh my God. I'm like, I got to know this shit. I don't have time. And so like in some ways, I mean, it wasn't the same, but like, yeah. I was I'm established in my life. I'm not gonna mess around. And I think that was Josh's perspective. Like that's 100%, why like, like yeah. he's like, Yeah, guys, I'm dating this like yep. when he when he texts you and said, Well, I met this girl, she's twenty two. Uh, yeah. You guys are in your thirties. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably like, What the hell are you? Well, thinking? no, because he said I met her at Holly's and she could sing every word of the Waylon and Willie songs that oh. are on the jukebox. Oh. And I said, Well, maybe I'll call Creever then and he should start writing the best yeah, man speech. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Uh, All right. Getting back to life insurance. But the point is, Josh would be very happy with us using his story to send this message. Correct. Yes. Absolutely. You can say it however you want, but we're going to talk about why it's so important and all of that. So, okay. Okay. So let's talk about types of life insurance because I think this is what people get confused about. Yep. I will say, I probably know more about this even before. I mean, because again, I, I read the book, Smart Couples Finish Rich. Like yep, I've yep. always I've always taken an interest in investing or understanding or knowing yep. like where our dollars went. But I will share, you know, you can give a little bit, but I can say kind of my perspective and my thoughts on yeah. what works well for us and why we did the policy we did. I mean, I would say from an insurance agent's perspective, there's two ways to look at this, okay? There's your needs. So what? how much coverage do you need? Seven times your income, 12 times your income, 15 times your income. A lot of that's going to depend on things like what do you have for debt? How much income replacement do you need from that spouse? Final expenses. And that can be cultural thing. Sometimes final expenses are 200 grand. Sometimes they're 20, right? And then education expenses for kids. That's going to be kind of your your basic coverage of your needs, right? And then there's this side of it that's the wants, right? So now the wants is going to determine what type of life insurance you buy. You know, if your wants are, I just want it cheap. I want minimal. I want the coverage that I need for the least amount of money. It's probably going to be term insurance, right? And then after that, there's a whole other conversation to get into around whole life, universal life, variable universal life, all of those different things. And those are mostly going to cover the wants. Like, do you want some tax benefits from life insurance? Do you want tax-free income in, in retirement? Do you want to be your own bank while you're alive and you're a business owner? Like, those are different things that we would have conversations around. But the key, the most important part of it is that we cover the need first, and then we find the bells and whistles later, mm-hmm. you know? And I remember talking, like, it's funny because Josh and I both had those, like, close friends that we could have these conversations with you were one of the couple that he would you know go to yeah i had my few um one of them being my best friend nikki one of them being my high school best friend amanda yeah and her and i talked about i remember being in my 20s and she was saying how she had she's like well yeah you can get some that some that goes toward your retirement or whatever yeah and i was like okay (laughs) and so then i asked josh about it and his basic description was Nope, we're not going to do that because 
he felt like we could get a better return on our investment yep. in a retirement account. Yep. Roth IRAs maxing out our 401ks. So he's like, I want to pay for the policy, for the coverage that we need. Yep. And then we're going to invest anything extra. So say say if we're like, all right, we have 500 bucks a month to pay for retirement yep. and life insurance. Like just throwing on an easy number. Yep. So instead of a $500 policy that can be used toward retirement, if you right. don't use it, now we put 50 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month and yep. the other 450 goes toward retirement. Correct. And then our perspective on that was, yep, get one that ends close to retirement and we are yep. not paying on it anymore. But by then, hopefully, we wouldn't need it because we're close to retirement. You have other that, assets. We've got other assets saved yep. up. Hopefully, by then, we have our mortgage paid off, whatever. Yep. That was his perspective on it and for the most part that's going to apply to i would say 50 or 60 percent of the people out there some people and farmers tend to maybe be on the other side of this if i don't know if a lot of these are farmers um but people that are land rich right like let's say your land is worth five million dollars and we have uh, an estate tax concern there we don't want the family to have to sell the land to keep the farm and life insurance that lasts your whole life can help pay those estate taxes mm -hmm. so the family can see it. So there's a lot of different examples around maybe folks that buy term and invest the difference is what you were kind of explaining there. And there may not be, that may not be the right fit for everybody. And that's where you got to talk about kind of your needs and your wants, you know, as a general rule, that's a really good one to kind of think through. There's other people that maybe can't afford a Roth IRA or not afford that, that don't qualify for a Roth IRA mm -hmm. based on income yep. and certain things like that, then life insurance might be a, a tactic that you would use mm -hmm. in your planning. Yep. So a lot of that, you just gotta, that's why you gotta work with a professional on what the best way to go about it is and make sure you work with somebody that's, you know, that does probably retirement planning as well because they can help you walk both sides of that kind of equation. Mm -hmm. So so I remember Josh and I were not even engaged yet, but talking about getting engaged. Right after you read the book? Right after I read the book, pretty much. <laughs> Honestly, probably a couple months into meeting each other. And we went to meet with Brian Anderson, his financial advisor, and I opened up a Roth. Yep. I was working as an RN. I was renting a bedroom. I was trying to pay off my student loans. Like, I, I lived frugally while I was trying to get out of debt yep. and, like, you know that whatever and but as a rn I, like i was making good money i was working probably my paychecks probably had 50 to 60 hours a week on them yep. because of the overtime and everything like yep. i was making good money as a brand new grad rn and i mean you could right out of college be making 100 grand like you can yep. if you work your butt off and yep. work overtime whatever and so i was putting money into a Roth and like just trying to because again the smart couples finish rich right. Right. I just remember being like, Josh did you yeah. know that $500 a month now is like <laughs> three grand a month in your 30s and he's yeah. like yes my 22 year old girlfriend yes. and again like it's not like I put him as the beneficiary or anything like that yeah. like I put my parents I put whatever but like yeah. like he definitely <laughs> taught me some financial skills that I had no clue about right and we went and got life insurance policies and put each of our parents as beneficiaries like we're not going to put yeah. each other yet or anything like that until we're married but knowing that 
you know, I got a 30 year policy yep. and it just comes out of my paycheck every month and it has ever since then. Right. Okay. We're going to pause this episode. I want you when I'm done talking, don't hit pause right now because you won't know what to do. But as soon as I'm done talking, I want you to hit pause and I want you to go into this episode and I would love if you would rate this show with a five-star rating because that is how podcasts are successful. The algorithm, what the, you know, wherever you listen, the platform of maybe it's Spotify, maybe it's Apple, maybe it's Amazon, they can keep track of what episodes have a lot of downloads. And that's where, you know, if some people are liking it, they assume other people are going to like it because they want people using their streaming service. So if you are enjoying this, go and rate us, please, please, please. Shows with a higher rating get pushed out more because they think, well, if these people like it, other people will like it. Plus, if you're looking for a show to listen to and you're like, oh, well, it has four two-star ratings, I don't think I'm going to do that one. But if it has a hundred five-star ratings, yeah, more likelihood of listening. So it would really mean a lot to us if you could just hit pause, go and give us a rating, and then come back and finish listening. Thank you so much. So when you're first thinking about this, it's, I think it's like nineteen dollars a month. Yeah, like, there. I mean, initially, low. it's usually not much. Like right? I was so young. It's nineteen dollars a month. Yeah. For five hundred thousand dollars. And you're like, never just... gonna be as healthy as you are today. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of the key. Everybody says, like, I like to say, oh, I'll go lose weight. I'll go do this, that, or the other. Like you don't, right? No. Yep. Like, uh, I mean, now there's people in the world that do that. I understand that, but for the most part, general rule of thumb. You're never going to be as healthy as you are today. And health has a big factor in the cost of your life insurance. So the person that tells me, well, I'm 22, I don't need a, I don't need a policy yet. I don't need, you know, I don't need a $500,000 policy or a million dollar policy. You might not need it now, but you'll be happy that you got it for 15 bucks a month, 19 bucks a month, 25, whatever it ends up being when you were 22, because it'll last you a long time and you'll lock in that payment for a while. So... Well, and I think that, I mean, obviously it, I would not have, I wouldn't be talking about this if I didn't experience it because those life experiences show it. But like, yeah, I posted that, um, yesterday on my Instagram, bloom and grow LLC Instagram. And I said, Hey, what questions do you guys have? Yeah. And someone said, I'm a stay at home mom. How much should I get? Well, so my wife's a stay at home mom and I can speak to like what I would need should something have happened to her as a business owner, as a dad that wants to coach their kids, all these other things, right? She allows you to work and make without a question. Like I'm, I I mean, so people will say, well, do you need a million dollar policy on her? Do I need, I have no, like I don't have a million dollar policy on her, but should I, that's a great question. Like probably because what's a nanny going to cost me? What is daycare going to cost me? What is, I mean, she runs the kids to the doctors. Like she does all this stuff. Like if the kids get a fever at school, she goes and gets them. So that allows me to focus on my business and focus on so much more stuff because of what she does. So just because she's not bringing in an income per se, she's worth so much to the family that I'm not sure I could put a dollar amount on it. I'm not sure I want to, but to that extent, like you absolutely have to have coverage on the stay at home mom because 
what are you going to do? Or the stay-at-home dad, right? Like, it doesn't really matter, but that spouse provides so much to the family that you're probably talking three, four, five grand a month mm-hmm. that you don't have to do, mm-hmm. you know, because she stays home with the kids. Well, and you know that amount of money, I mean, it used to be like, oh, this person makes six figures or whatever. Like, yeah. Inflation times. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, my monthly expenses now. I'm yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. My electric bill? Um, yeah. No, I will say when you're trying to decide how much you need, I was so blessed and fortunate that Josh planned in a way that it essentially replaced what his income was. And, and so now like we were, but we were a two income family. Like I told you this, Yeah. it's not like we have enough where I can quit working. It's not like whatever. It's not like I can just quit your job. Oh, well your husband died. Here's some money. Now you can quit your job. Like I, I, if I wanted to, I could probably take a couple of years off and live off of that for a while. Yeah. But then I'd be going back to work when I'm 45 until right. 70. Like, right. I, it, like it's not, yeah. it's nothing like that. And it's not like it gives you time to grieve. But I just am so, I cannot imagine what it would have been like. All the grief, all the, there are so many losses. There's so many secondary losses trying to navigate that. And if I also had to completely change my I mean I had to work change my work schedule in the fact that like I can't work this many days a week in the clinic because I'm the only parent and every time I get a sick call from daycare it's me I gotta go get the fever and then all these patients that had physicals I gotta cancel when you are backed against a corner and your choices and how you grieve is being dictated by your finances right that's not a good combination I don't want to have to sell my house because now I right. can't afford it because his paycheck stopped. Yeah. And I mean, that's a lot of it, right? So it's going to take time, one time to get the money, right? The last thing that, that as a friend or any of that, that I would have wanted Liz worrying about would be, how are we going to pay the mortgage? How are we going to pay the bills? How am I going to put food on the table for Vidalia? You know, oh, tell you what, it's the day after the funeral or the day after the funeral and I'm pregnant, Right. Like, how am I going to handle that stuff? And just taking finances off the plate while, you know, Liz is able to do that kind of thing. That's a huge deal. And that's, I couldn't imagine like being in your place and having to think through that side of it. Right. And, and that's why that's part of why I tell people like we've never handed a beneficiary check where they've said, this is too much, you know, and there's just so many other things that pop up that you don't think about that. Yeah. Well, and obviously, okay, funeral expenses, like those immediate expenses. I mean, I would say it costs about $50,000 to bury yeah. your spouse. Yeah. $50,000 is what it costs to die. And that's pretty basic, right? Yeah. Like that's fairly basic. You know, I mean, I've seen it maybe as low as 2025, 20, you know, but there's some cultures that it's, they throw a huge party essentially, mm-hmm. you know, and it's 200,000, mm-hmm. you know, so I guess just, it's just depends so much on all of that stuff. And like Josh's, I don't know if you funerals the right way to say it, but out at the farm and all that kind of stuff, like he would have wanted it no other way, mm-hmm. you know, but that was also a pretty inexpensive way yep. to do it. His, you know, his, his expenses yeah. were quite inexpensive compared to most, 
And it was still tens and tens of thousands right. of dollars. Um, right. I was very... So some people have asked, actually, and I, I will absolutely walk through this process just because it's... I think it's... I, I had no idea. No one had ever told me what the process was like. But so... Josh passed away, obviously. I think my financial advisor, because of this, this is a testimony of the type of guy that Josh was. My financial advisor, Brian, got called by about 10 people. Yeah. Literally, yeah. they're like, yeah. I know you're not really supposed to tell me, but like, tell yeah. me that like his, his policies were up to date. Yeah. Like, he had life insurance. Yeah. He, he had it through his employer, which we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Talk about the employer part. But I mean, I think too, and, and this is, I think you know, part, part of where I come into this, right? Like Josh and I had had life insurance conversations because I was in the business a lot. Right. So I knew he was covered. Right. So as an insurance agent, talking to our customers about life insurance can be sometimes not a mo- not the most fun thing because people get upset with you. People, you know, just trying to think you're selling a policy, that kind I'm of stuff. I'm uncomfortable right now. Right. 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 This isn't fun, but I yeah. think it's, if someone can use this to like, yeah. Break the ice and like, okay, honey, like, let's just listen to what they have to say. Like, yeah. These are things we have to think about. Yeah. Well, and I think to like, to my, where I was at with it and Liz and I talked about this before the call, like if, if, so Liz calls me and says, Hey, I don't know how to handle any of this. You were one of Josh's best friends. Can you help me through this process? Can you walk me through who to call, what to say, all that? Yes. I tell you what, I'll call Brian, give me his number. And the good thing was is that I knew Josh already had coverage. If that conversation when Liz calls me and says, you know what, Tony, I don't think we had any coverage. I don't know where it is. If we did, God help me, please tell me that he bought a policy with you. Knowing what I knew about Josh, and, and we know this about a lot of our customers, like I know where their life insurance is. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's just being that person that I can say, Liz, I tell you what, he had some, it's here. That's a way better conversation for me to have than to say, gosh, Liz, Josh was one of my best friends and I don't know where it is. And he didn't have any with me because I was too afraid to ask him about it. Like that in my office, like that's one of the things that we talk about almost weekly is you can't be afraid to ask. Even if you get yelled at or cussed out or whatever, like it doesn't matter. Like you can't be afraid to ask because I can say like for my mental health, I would have been in a really dark place knowing that Josh didn't have coverage because I didn't ask. Mm-hmm. Like this is a way different situation for mm-hmm. us. Well, and I because we had had these conversations. I still I'm to the point now where I I stop bringing it up, but some of the closest people to me. Yeah. Still haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. <laughs> and I just I finally said to one of my I'm not going to say all right you're not gonna call i'm really tempted i'm really tempted to call this person out but i literally hung up on her so obviously you know how close this person is to me and i said well don't come crying to me and that was a really bad thing to say that's a terrible thing to say yeah yeah but i was so pissed like right how do you not have life insurance right now like you've seen and and i will tell you had had we not had any coverage or if we only had the check the box of work yep I would have had to immediately pay off, you know, the funeral home, stuff like that. And I will say, shout out to Daniel Funeral Home in St. Cloud. They never even requested to see a policy. 
because yeah. they knew. So it took me four months to get. They the usually death call the agent yeah. and say, "Can you tell us how yeah. much is on the policy?" Yeah. And so it took me yeah. four months to get the death certificate, which is so rare. Usually yeah. it's that day. Yeah. Like usually, especially now during COVID, maybe it's a few days. Yeah. But because of it was during COVID, and they had yeah. to do this autopsy, and I yeah. don't know the Ramsey County coroner was backed up. It literally took four months to right. get it, and like. When I say you can't do anything, you can't do anything. I paid $9 for death certificates, and I actually had to order new ones. Yeah. And that was, like, I, I ordered, I think we got 25 of them. Yeah. Right when he died. They recommend 10 to 20, and we yep. got 25, and I ran out. Yeah. So and paying. so a, f- a few things on that, too, as far as the timeline. Always ask your insurance agent if you do have coverage. Your work policy is going to be way more difficult. But if you have a private policy... Ask your insurance agent if you can do it with the with the obituary. Mm-hmm. So a lot of ours, like we just paid two last week, yep. it was just the obituary. Yep. A lot of that's going to depend how much the coverage is. They're not mm-hmm. going to give you $5 million with just an obituary, yeah. right? So some of these little things, and, and in COVID, things were way different. So the obituary mm-hmm. didn't really work. But nowadays, you might be able yeah. to do it just with an obituary. But yeah. Well, and I say this, like, okay, let's say... Let's say Josh had died two years prior. Let's use that as a whatever scenario. So I'm in nurse practitioner school. I still have two years left. I We have a one-year-old. Yeah. I have two years left of school, another 30 grand in tuition to keep paying on because we were paying as we went. Yeah. We had probably between, we still had a few student loans. We still had, you know, a couple hundred thousand on yeah. our mortgage. And I'm making, you know, I'm in school and I'm working, you know, one day a week as an RN. Right. Had he passed away then, yeah, it would have been a very different story because right. all of a sudden, like, now I'm going to need, I'm going to need probably a 60 hour a week nanny. Right. And I'm trying to grieve because yeah. I'm trying to get through school and finish that and not quit my job and whatever. Like I, I, you probably wouldn't have the farm. You I, wouldn't have the I flower farm. I would have wouldn't. probably had to, I, I don't know. Like it, th- those funds would have been very allocated differently. Yeah. And so again, like just what it would have looked like. And even, you know, had we not had the amount that we had or whatever, when he did pass away, I don't know how I would have kept paying the more like i couldn't i could not afford our mortgage on our old house on our own let alone and that house was not right you, you were in it it was not yeah it was no longer a livable <laughs> not, probably not a house to raise two little girls yeah, in. <laughs> no, and that wasn't like even josh did not want to raise his kids in that house yeah. so, like we were planning on building a new house and so i mean just the anger that i would have had of like i would have i would have had to sell the farm yeah if i could not afford to build a new house because that house wasn't livable right. I would have had to sell the farm when he died. Yeah. And that sure would suck. Yeah. And he wouldn't want that. And that's the thing, right? Like that's not something that Josh would, would have wanted, mm-hmm. you know? So I think the takeaway from this, like what is the right dollar amount? And I think it's, well, it's the dollar amount that you would need to keep living the life that you were going to live. Because Correct. Yeah. I will say from the standpoint of grief, I have, a, I had and have a lot of shit to be angry about. Yeah. If I'm having to also live a different life than I would have had had he been alive. Right. In in terms of like, well, now I have to live in an apartment. Yeah. Because I can't afford it. Now I'm going to be even more pissed. Now I'm going to be right. even more like I had to leave my home. I had to, 
Like, well, the anger you would have towards Josh, right? Yeah. And that wouldn't have been. Now it's a it's a family decision, right? But when that person's not there, the anger is going to be directed at mm-hmm. the person that's not around anymore, you know. And that's not something that you wish on anybody. People you know? make bad decisions when they're scared, when yeah. they're when their choices are taken away. Yeah. It just, it, it's not a good combination. Yeah, emotion, right? Like I tell my oldest all the time, I'm like, try and not make decisions under emotion. All right, that's it for part one of this episode. Tune in next week for part two. Thank you for listening to the Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler podcast. You can find us at bloomandgrow.llc on Instagram and Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler on Facebook. We're always looking for stories of those who have gone through the trenches of grief and found a way to keep blooming and growing through it. So if you have an idea for an episode, please send us an email, liz at sunnymarymeadow.com and tell us what you think. You can also go to our website, www.bloomandgrowwithliz.com and sign up for our email list. You'll find all of that information in the episode notes. Thanks for being here. Bloom and Grow. Bloom and Grow.